Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Dory with you along with Paul Davids. Now, those of you who don't know the name Timothy Leary, let me tell you a little bit about him. First of all, he died in 1996, but he was a clinical psychologist at Harvard University, and he was testing the therapeutic effects of LSD. As a matter of fact, some of his own faculty members were outraged at him because he too, Timothy Leary, was trying the LSD himself. But he believed that LSD showed potential for therapeutic use in psychiatry. After he left Harvard, he continued to publicly promote the use of psychedelic drugs, and he became a well-known figure of the counterculture in the 1960s. Paul, did you know Timothy Leary? I sure did. I, I sure did. I want to tell you how I met him, how I sure. came to make the film. But I wanted to, to add in a few details that you left out in your summary, and that was that he didn't just leave Harvard um, voluntarily. Uh, he was fired from Harvard. When he was at Harvard, uh, most of his experiments were more with psilocybin, the magic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then along came LSD. But he was fired along with uh, his close associate, Richard Alpert, who later took the name Baba Ramdas? Many people know Ramdas, uh, who's deceased, unfortunately. Uh, made a great contribution, but Timothy very controversial because um, whereas many of his contemporaries said, "Look, keep LSD a secret. This mind expansion, this extraordinary mental change that comes about from it, everybody can't handle that." So his associates, like uh, author Aldous Huxley. Humphrey Osmond, who ran the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute, where I was actually a subject, a subject in this research when I was a student at Princeton. We wrote a book about it, my co-author John Selby and I, called Blowing America's Mind. But uh, So Timothy fired from Harvard. Uh, he took the project down to Mexico, to Zihuatanejo, and spent a summer having invitees come and uh, take LSD, uh, learn about the psychedelics, and by the end of the second summer there, he was banned from Mexico. He was invited to take up the project um, at, um, I think it was uh, Dominican, and uh, he was um, banned from there. Uh, he then went to Antigua. He was there for two months, started up the project, thought he had allies, and he's banned from there. Jeez. Uh, and, and, but the, the, the turning point for him was his friendship with Peggy Hitchcock, who was part of the Mellon family. You've heard of the Mellon Art Gallery. You know, one of the... And the, well, bank, the banky, he, banking family. Yes, yes, yes. And she had two brothers who purchased an enormous mansion in upstate New York called Millbrook. This mansion had 64 rooms, thousands of acres... I think it was a mile from the gatehouse up to the main house. And she said, look, you might be able to use this for your research, but you're going to have to turn on my brothers. So he and Richard Alpert did turn on her brothers with uh, LSD, and they became uh, big supporters. And they let him have the Millbrook Mansion, where he set up first the League for Spiritual Discovery, and then an organization he called If If, the International Foundation for Internal Freedom. And that's the focus of what Timothy Leary was about, internal freedom. 
that we should have the right to, if we want to use a psychedelic drug or marijuana, we should have the right to do that. It's our body. We're doing it to ourselves. Why should the government have control over this? So that was his pitch, and he brought down the wrath of the government. And that's when he started to get arrested. First in Laredo, Texas, busted for having two joints of marijuana, sentenced to 30 years oh my God. in prison, 30 years for two joints that were in the possession of his daughter Susan in the car. Which would be legal like today. Of course. Absolutely. In this 30 years, I think it was 10 years for possession, 10 years for transporting it, 10 years for not paying the tax on it. Well, a few years later, that was thrown out by the Supreme Court. But too late to help him, because meanwhile, Millbrook gets busted by G. Gordon Liddy, a massive raid on this establishment that had become a focal point for psychological research with psychedelics and had invited people of stature from around the world to come there and contribute to the studies. And they raided, they arrested him, arrested everyone else there. And while that's winding its way through the courts, he goes to California because he's out on bail. And they bust him in California at a time that he's running for governor against Ronald Reagan. And he said it was a frame-up. The cops uh, pulled two roaches out of his ashtray. He said they weren't his roaches. The cops put them there. For that, he was sentenced to 10 years in jail. And that's when they finally sent him to prison. And then it was prison, prison, prison. He escaped. The story of his escape, extraordinary, extraordinary story. And he spent a couple, I think, years on the lamb, uh, first in Algeria with Eldridge Cleaver, then he was in Switzerland. But when he made the mistake of traveling to Afghanistan, this is way before the wars there, uh, he was arrested by the CIA, brought back to the U.S., thrown into Folsom Prison, put in a cell next to Charles Manson. He was made an example of. Nixon called him the most dangerous man alive. He was arrested for his ideas, for uh, his influence on the youth of the country. His ideas were considered dangerous. They wanted to keep him locked up. That's the story of Timothy Leary, a respected psychologist who started with stature at Harvard and became a convict. Where in that life did you meet him? I didn't meet him until after he got out of prison, and he learned that he was dying of prostate cancer. Uh And his publisher at that time, who was republishing his books, a man named Sebastian Orfali of Ronin Publishing, I met him at a book convention. And he was very impressed that I was executive producer of the movie Roswell for Showtime, which, by the way, is based on a book by your friend Kevin Randall, Mm -hmm. UFO Crash at Roswell. We'll work with Kevin on that. But in any event, Sebastian Orfali called me up and he said, look, it hasn't been publicly announced, but Timothy is dying. No one has made a biographical film about his life. It's now or never. Uh, I, he said, I could talk to him, I could pitch you, and do you think that you could get the resources together and, and, and make a film? Well, I was tremendously interested. I knew that the clock was ticking. I had to find financial resources for it. And I will say that, um, that most of that came from a businessman named Todd Easton Mills, 
who's become a great friend of mine, who is also an extraordinary writer of short stories. He said, like an F. Scott Fitzgerald, he's had 40 wonderful short stories published. But he, he hadn't begun writing then. He met with me, impressed with Roswell, and he said, you know, I'd like to make a movie with you. What do you got? Well, he was a conservative businessman. I thought it was impossible he'd want to do Timothy Leary. So I pitched him four other projects first, and he said, no, 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 not right. <laughs> and then I said, well, you know, what about this? I heard from Leary's publisher. How about the biography of Timothy Leary? I think we could get Leary's cooperation and do it with him. And at that, we were at the Ritz, at the Ritz having a lunch. He pulled out his checkbook slammed it on the table, and said, how much will it cost me and when can we start? I love it. So at that, called up Timothy Leary, arranged to meet him. And Leary said yes, I would say for three reasons. Uh, Sebastian Raffali had said I was the man to do it because of Roswell. Mm -hmm. That was one reason. Number two, I had worked as a subject when I was at Princeton at the New Jersey Neuropsychiatric Institute with Leary's associate Humphrey Osmond. Osmond is the Canadian psychiatrist who invented the term psychedelic. And he, he respected that, that I knew Osmond and had worked with Osmond. So that was reason number two. And reason number three was money. Timothy exactly. <laughs> Leary, having been in jail and on the lamps so many years, was really short on funds. He was broke. He was broke. He was living off of the good graces of many friends for many, many years. And so uh, Todd uh, offered to pay him something, uh, you know, nice to do it. I think I spent five days with Timothy Leary interviewing him for hours and hours each time. Uh, we got a massive amount of material from Timothy, and it was wonderful. And I provided him with, uh, you know, suits to wear. Did you like him, Paul? I respected him enormously. Uh, I, I did like him. I, I, I thought thought he's, he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's been compared. Look, people say exaggerated. You're going to compare him to Socrates? Well, Socrates was sentenced to death for corrupting the youth. Timothy Leary was incarcerated for corrupting the youth. People have compared him to Henry David Thoreau, who went to jail willingly because he refused to pay a tax to support the Mexican War. That's the kind of person Timothy Leary was. He went to jail and wrote books in jail. And he didn't hate his jailers. He said, you know, look, they're doing their job, and I'm doing my job. And his job was to be a philosopher who was a troublemaker, who was questioning everything about our society at the time of the, uh, of the Vietnam War, and was offering a way into the future. I want to add that a book was written, a bibliography of, of his writings, of Leary's writings. Michael Horowitz put out this book. It's 300 pages long one page about each one of Leary's books and published papers. Can you imagine that? I mean, you and I, George, we've each written a few books. Timothy Leary wrote so much that it took 300 pages just to describe what he wrote. That's amazing. And he's a historical figure. You know, he started out, uh, he, he was, uh, you'd say, an agent provocateur. Baba Randas called him a perennial rascal. Um, and, um, uh, and he had this great influence as an icon of the counterculture promoting LSD. He wanted to turn on the whole world. He was working with Mary Pinchot Meyer, who was a friend of President Kennedy, and she was working behind the scenes to turn on 
the top people in Washington with LSD. Leary believed she had turned on John F. Kennedy with LSD. They thought this was the answer to the future of world peace, that if, if enough world leaders experience the ecstasy and the beauty of life through LSD, that uh, they wouldn't possibly destroy the world with nuclear weapons. Well, that was his, his goal. But uh, did I like him? You know, he was, after prison, he was crusty. He was irascible. He was argumentative. And he would jump all over me if I asked a question he didn't, you know, like or I phrased it wrong. But this is a great man, a great man. And why are we selling Timothy Leary's head 25 years later? Yeah, that is, I've got to ask you that. Why? That is 25 25 years. You're auctioning off his head. Well, it's not his real head. However, it was made from a plaster cast that he sat for. Because he was cremated, wasn't he? To make a a perfect, perfect replica of his head. Why? Let me tell you why. And in my movie, which may be a little hard to find I watched your movie. You cut his head off. I saw it in the movie. Look, most all of the reviewers were convinced that he was decapitated for cryogenic freezing of the head. In the movie, he said again and again, that's his plan. That's what he wanted to do. He said the most important decision you can make in your life is how you want to die. He said you can't choose how you're born. You know, you can't choose who your parents are, but you can plan your death. And he felt that with cryogenic preservation of the brain, the head, his DNA would be preserved. There would be a chance that someday he could be brought back. And in my movie, he he, he, he insists that this is what he's going to do again and again. Well, we said to ourselves, Todd Easton Mills and I, look, what if we don't actually get to be there when he dies? And this happened. Because he, he, he made a contract with the Alcor company to preserve the head. As Ted Williams has done, right? Yeah, that, Ted Williams was the whole body. And as Baba Ramdas said, uh, you know, Tim didn't have the money, the 75000 bucks to do the whole body. He, he was the cheapskate who went for $25,000. With the head. Yeah. So, so all this was going to be definite, but Todd and I said, you know, look, we, we may not be there to film this. You know, this is the ending of our film. We've got to show it. So Tim sat for the plaster. Uh, uh, you know, we plastered his whole head, and I put that in the end credits to tip off people, to hint them, don't believe everything you saw in this movie. Look, we have a mold of his head. We show his decapitation after he dies in the movie. Do you want to believe that what we were showing you was absolutely... It it looked authentic to me. Absolutely looked authentic. And look, 25 years later, I'm taking that head, and Heritage Auctions in Beverly Hills in Dallas is auctioning it off on their November uh, 4th or 5th auction coming up. What are they calling it? What is he calling it? Yeah, what are they what are they calling what they're auctioning? Calling it the 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 mock-up prop head of Timothy Leary from the movie Timothy Leary's Dead. Now nobody knew for sure until now that there even was this mock-up head. And I want to say, twenty-five years later, I'm doing this now. Why am I parting with this head? It's been a box in my house for twenty-five years. I've just shown it to a few trusted friends. Uh, It hasn't been on display, Um, and. I think now he deserves the recognition. We need to look at his life again. We need to look at his contribution. Look, almost throughout the United States, anybody can smoke marijuana now without penalty. Without penalty. Timothy Leary sentenced to 30 years in jail in Laredo for two joints. We need to look at this. What was this madness, this war on drugs from Nixon? 
Now, I'm not saying I support all the goals of IFIF, the International Foundation for Internal Freedom, because does that mean that we can't regulate anything that people put in their bodies? Well, maybe you have to consider in some instances there's a larger societal interest involved in these kinds of things. However, the societal interest they claimed on marijuana was like in that 1930s movie Reefer Madness, where they said, you know, the kids that smoke this marijuana, they pick up a knife and they kill people. It makes you violent. Well, it's nonsense. It's been a lie. So Timothy Leary goes to jail because of that lie. And how many others went to jail because of that? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.